0: This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 1115 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel accorded to Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Thieves and rogues and adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Better is one day in God's house. Grace and peace to you through Jesus. Amen. So, uh, who are you voting for? Pharisee or tax collector? My hunch is that most of us being sharp students, we'd gravitate toward the tax collector right now. I mean, we just heard the story. We're kind of taught to do that, to something authentic in his faith. God be merciful to me, uh, a sinner. And Jesus puts that little moral right at the end of it. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And frankly, after this many years in church, we know better than to side with a Pharisee, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But what if I told you that on his way to church, after stopping to take some groceries to his mother, the Pharisee was singing all the way there, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, and now I'm found. Or that as he was saying that prayer, there were actually tears of gratitude coming down his cheeks, that he was genuinely thankful to God and that because he knew how blessed he was there but for the grace of God go I on his way out of the temple he dropped not just his offering but his double offering made a buddy bag donation let his name go in nomination for church council signed up for the prayer retreat for Kairos and volunteered for the nursery or conversely if I, if I told you that the tax collector, when he was done wiping his eyes and blowing his nose, goes home, but he doesn't change a thing. He collects taxes for the Roman Empire, for God's sake. He's an arm of one of the most brutal occupations in history. Those who do not pay their taxes to Rome get crucified. And he may not necessarily like it, I suppose, but that's what he does. And it's against the law of God But what's he supposed to do? Tomorrow he's going to bust down somebody's door. He's going to take their money. He's going to hand them over to the Roman Empire. The money and pocket some. Or he's going to drag all of them out into the streets. Everybody has to make a living. These are tough times. Not to mention. He never sets foot in a sanctuary again. Who are you voting for now? I'm suggesting that to see... This as a Pharisee who's a creep and a tax collector who's honorable is like kind of a trap. The truth is that it's very hard for any of us to not see things in black and white. And frankly, that's what's wrong with those kind of labels to begin with, that there is no black and white. It's really hard for us to see people and not see stereotypes color, gender, orientation, nationality, religion, economic class, and all of those are really part of who we are. But, But not to see that, just to see people for who they are, as we say in our core values, uniquely gifted by God. If I had to guess, I think I know which one of these people shows up every week and helps pay the bills, teaches confirmation, visits the sick, feeds the hungry, and I'll go far as to suggest that in the church, we really love these people. They make the church work. People who care about engaging in spiritual disciplines, people who are generous and are thankful that they can be generous, that's what holds communities together. That's what holds families together. They keep the faith. And I'm going to be really honest, that prayer's not all that bad. It's very close to some very classic prayers in Scripture. In fact, the psalmist prays, Praise be to God who did not make me a heathen. Hmm. And who did not make me an uneducated man. Hmm. And i take this apart for a little more. Why why exactly shouldn't we gaze upon the mystery of having been spared a a certain amount of pain and, and struggle in life? I wasn't born in Haiti. I've never lived in Nigeria. I've never even heard a bomb, much less been next to one in Syria. And honestly, I'm thankful to God for that. I'm blessed. Got a big award at the seminary recently. A lot of people gasped when the first thing I said was, All my life I've been the recipient of white privilege. And male privilege. And now even old privilege. There's one word in the Pharisee's prayer that gives him away. He doesn't give thanks that God has spared him from hunger or pain or despair or desperation or from not having to steal in order to buy infant formula. He doesn't give thanks for the gifts of education and wealth and parents who poured life into him. He gives thanks that he's not like those other people. Thank you, God, I'm not like them. It's a very subtle line, which is why we almost never notice it when we cross it, and we do all the time. And it shows. It shows every time we use them and us language, you can just feel the difference sometimes. Thank God I am not like those people. And that's the moment when we move from praying to judging. He's not praying. He's measuring himself against a neighbor. And worse, he's pleased by that, and he's satisfied and thankful, maybe even proud, with the distance between he and the other's. I got a PhD in communication. Here's a psychological communication truth that never fails. We think that we do the things that we do because we have to, because of circumstances. And we think that they do the things that they do because they choose to. And it's always a mix of both of those things, always. And that mix is something to be thankful for. That mix is where compassion and empathy and connection and community and civility are found. The tax collector, wrong as he is about so much of the world, and he is wrong, he at least has his eyes in the right place. You could flip the whole thing over. Had the Tax collector measured himself against the Pharisee. If his prayer was something like, "Oh God, thank you that I'm not like those religious fanatics. Thank you that I can hold an intellectual thought in my hat. Thank you that I'm not tied to just a few simple principles." His prayer would have been ever bit as problematic. Judgmental comparison poisons the prayer well. The tax collector doesn't even notice that the Pharisee's even there. Uh, Luke says that the tax collector is standing far off. That'd be my hunch, as far in the back as he possibly could get. And it's just him and and God and, well, frankly, anybody who would be willing to listen to him at that moment. And Jesus says he won't even look up to heaven. The the word humility comes from the word hummus, um, earth, dirt. Humility is to be down to earth, to keep your eyes down, not from side to side in comparison Tax collector's eyes are down. He's beating his breast, which is an image all of its own. And both men are praying for themselves. But one of them is scanning the room. I remember very clearly my adolescence affirmations. Listen up to this. If you're not there, you will be. Somewhere in my adolescence, when I began to think conceptually about God... Things started to look a little different, and in particular, studying the first article of the Creed, I believe in the of Heaven and Earth, I was a more than a little bit concerned about this deep theological question. It was, can God hear my thoughts? Suffice it to say, I had a few lewd and rebellious thoughts, and I knew, at least I thought I did, and was learning the right way to pray. But inside, I wasn't always there. And I'm still not. I always thought it'd be interesting if someone would do a cartoon from my view, looking out at you, everybody's faces, and above your heads would be those little cartoon word captions with what you're thinking at that moment. Speaking frankly now, our capacity for smugness is astonishing. Which is why we have Ash Wednesday, by the way. March 1st, 7 o'clock p.m. Please join me in confessing my sins. Point blank, when our eyes move anywhere other than to our own dark hearts or at the mystery of an omnipotent God, if it's not either there or there, there's nowhere else to look. Thank God or thank chance. I'm not like that. One of the core values at Lord of Life Church is unconditional regard for all people. I think it's kind of interesting. We, we regularly begin worship at 11.15 by saying that we believe in a God that practices extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. And the very first thing we say after that is, we want to do that, but we're not very good at it. We spend a summer fleshing out what it means for each one of us at Lord of Life Church to dream bigger. I don't think it will come as a surprise to anyone that there are tons of dreams in this community. And here's a shocker, they're not all the same. They're not all the same. Some people dream about talking more and more about our finances so we can learn how to balance our finance and not be tied to money. And other people dream that we never talk about money ever again. And there are some people who wish that we do even more justice and more advocacy. And there are some people who don't. We're doing plenty right now. You name the issue, I'm telling you, the dreams in this congregation are diverse. And our, our church council has done an amazing job of crafting those dreams for this community and God's dream for us back into our vision or our dream that this would be a church where all people could experience the grace and the comfort and acceptance of God. And from here, they could all be equipped to share and teach and give what it is that they've received. Now, I want you to hear that I think this is some really inspirational stuff. I think it's really amazing. A community that has the poise and the courage and the gracefulness to hold things in tension, for the good and the bad to gather, the saint and the sinner to dwell together in God's grace, not as an accident or because we have to, but because that's the vision. To worship together, to pray together, to gather together in the love of God, see this parable it's, it, this parable is a trap, and, and as soon as we fall into the temptation to divide into groups, we, we just align ourselves with the Pharisee. Not Abel Weber so once said that time you draw a line between who's in and who's out, God's going to be on the out ultimately it 's It's not a parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector or even us. It is a parable about God because only God can judge. Only God can judge the human heart. Only God can justify the ungodly. At the end of this story, I always like to ask myself, "Well, what happens next in these kinds of stories? At the end of the story, nothing's really changed for our Pharisee friend. Um, He was righteous when he came in. He's righteous when he goes out. And and thank God for righteous people. Not not self righteous, but righteous people. Thank God for them. People who do the right thing in the world. The world needs them, the church needs them. The tax collector, however, goes home justified. Ooh. On what merit? He doesn't make any sacrifices, doesn't make any contributions, he doesn't make any changes, doesn't make any restitutions playing with your head a little bit, but Jesus hasn't even died on the cross, so it can't be the blood of Jesus. How in the world does he leave justified? God does it. A gracious God justifies. So let me make sure you hear the good news today. At that moment when we have nothing to claim but God's mercy, and we know it, at that mercy when We've been spending too much time comparing ourselves to our neighbors. At that moment when we stand before God aware only of our own failures and our own needs, at that moment, regardless of what we've done or will do, what we believe or will believe, we too are justified by gracious God. And that, like this moment right now, is a moment of grace. Amen.